Hi, welcome to Media Swap, the podcast where two brother-in-laws bring their physical media collections together for uh, an interesting collaboration, and uh, we try to combine them with a similar thread, try to come up come up with similarities between our our albums and our movies. I'm Kiefer, I'm the one that brings the vinyl. I'm TJ, your uh, resident movie guy. <laughs> yeah, and... Um, this one was cool because uh, we got to do it, do your movie kind of in the spooky season before Halloween was over. I know we're kind of recording it a little bit later, but this is definitely a good quality quality Halloween movie. Would it grace your, your top ten Halloween movies or not? Top ten horror movies? Mm, yeah. I would say Halloween movies. Well, no, because I don't really Because there's like a... fun movies in there and the competition. I don't really as well. have a top ten Halloween movie. But, but just a general horror flick, it's good. Yeah. It's in my top ten favorite horror movies for sure. Okay, that's um, good. I don't really have a list for Halloween per se, but um, yeah, it's, it's been in my top ten favorite horror movies. Um, what Kiefer and I are talking about is uh, 1992's Candyman, um, which is a favorite of mine, and Kiefer was pretty excited to check it out, especially with a new one on the horizon. Um, wanted to pick something horror related since we were in Halloween season um this one is uh from like I said 1992 directed by Bernard Rose which I know it's weird because it looks like it's Bernard but um in the past watching the special features all the actors referred to him as Bernard yeah I've heard I've heard that pronouncing so it must be he must be like maybe he's British or Canadian and they pronounce it differently I think that's a British thing because Bernard does kind of sound like American, like, <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, made, uh, actor Tony Todd famous for this role, mm. um, he had done a couple other things, but I think this is what really put him out there, um, some people may know the, the female lead, Virginia Madsen, she's been in quite a few things since then, uh, uh, uh Casey, or Cassie Lemons, um, she went on to have a career in directing, um, and a pretty successful career at that, which is nice to see some uh, both black and female representation in that field. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this movie is based on a short story by Clyde Barker called The Forbidden. It's not um, exact on screen. Uh, obviously, Bernard Rose um, and their script took some liberties and added onto it for it to become a feature film. Um, but that, that short story was a Clyde Barker uh, he, he's known for writing horror specifically, and, uh, he actually got to turn his, his novel, um, The Hellbound Heart into Hellraiser as the director and writer, um, and has several different horror movies out there that have been adapted from his books. You may know, uh, like I said, Hellraiser, Nightbreed, uh, The Midnight Meat Train, Rawhead Rex, just so, he's got several of them out there. Um, but I, I'd say Candyman, other than Hellraiser, is probably his most uh, familiar with out, with mainstream audiences. Um, <clears throat> but this movie kind of t- it takes place in Chicago, filmed there, uh, right in the heart of it, um, the Cabrini Green neighborhood, which at the time was well known to be um, a predominantly black population and and low income housing. Uh, so they actually, it was cool that they got to film in the actual location and on set. Um, but it follows, uh, our main character, Helen, who is a grad student and she's 
studying in urban legends and um, as, as she's told and, and overhears a legend of uh, Candyman and that's where her project takes her and her partner um, and yeah they go investigate at the Cabrini Green apartment complex and they kind of get in over their head as people do in most film and uh, yeah I mean I'm a big fan of both uh, folklore and urban legends especially in like the horror genre and this one for me was like the first one I had seen of that type of subgenre and definitely one of the best um, this was your first time watching it I don't know if you want to provide some of your thoughts and then we can kind of build discussion off of those oh definitely uh, I think one of the first things you notice well, when you get into this movie is how good the sound is I mean um, the music is great and it builds suspense in a really effective way and the way that they they make the sound of Candyman's voice is just really perfect and unique and I think that's 50% or at least more uh, for the actor just having a really great voice and just the, just the general way that it kind of affected it to make him sound like Candyman and I think it added added a lot to his, his scariness and uh, the, the movie makeup still before like CGI and everything uh, uh, was really good and uh, I think there's a lot of good costume design and everything that re- really made everything effective there yeah we gotta give props in the podcast to Philip Glass who he did the score the score yeah. um, that was one that when I when Kiefer first started getting me interested in collecting vinyl I had a very strict code of trying to get um a movie soundtracks mm-hmm. and that was one of the top ones i had to get for myself um it, there's nothing like it out there it's just that piano uh uh sound and the way he composed it, it was just the perfect combination of like scary and haunting but mm-hmm. like relaxing and like i don't know it's 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 a nice really cool it's a nice uh uh, way he, he combined the two which is two different feelings that opposite feelings um uh, but <clears throat> he did very well with that um and yeah you mentioned uh Candyman's voice that's just that's all tony todd right there like mm-hmm. he's just he's naturally got that deep voice but he's able to uh uh what's the word i'm looking for like uh perpetuate that voice like no, on screen crazy, yeah. to make it sound so that's a really good casting there. I, I'd be surprised if the new recast Candyman amounts to that in any way. Yeah, I, I'm certainly hoping. I mean, rumors say that he's involved to, to some extent. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's not going to be our leading actor because we've seen that. I mean, he's and getting pretty old now. He's... Right, but uh, he. Uh, I certainly hope he's got some kind of involvement. I actually met him at a convention a couple years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um very nice guy and um super tall and he has that deep voice so he can be a pretty intimidating guy but uh yeah you get a chance to meet him up and like one-on-one like that he is just like completely like nice guy um him and i talked about jordan peele Mm. a lot because at at the time when uh candy man came out and back in the early 90s this was a huge deal for the black community as far as the horror genre um based on how they were always portrayed in horror movies, Candyman was, like, the chance where they got to see, like, a, a black lead, um, and they weren't there to just get killed off or to, to play a part um, or a role that society put them in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we talked about Jordan Peele because 
his movies, like, especially Get Out, starting it, um, took that even a step further, and they put, like, a black lead in the protagonist role, mm-hmm. and he, you know, has to fight and survive, and it was, I mean, Candyman, I wouldn't, it's hard to say if he was a villain or not, I mean, he is, but, like, because mm-hmm. he kills people, but, I mean, like, the story itself, the more you watch it, it's almost like a, a tragic love story, mm-hmm. um, more so, it, uh, mixed in with the horror, so, but, like, Chris and Get Out, um, was, was, like, full on our protagonist and our hero, like, he wasn't even, there was no debate, he was the hero. I mean, on your wall, your Get Out poster is awfully close to your Candyman poster, did you have some sort of organization system to this? And that's all by chance, buddy. Oh, uh-huh, <laughs> that was just, if you look at my wall, coincidence. Yeah, if you look at my wall, it's, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of, based on like subgenre because I've got all my uh slasher posters over there to the left mm-hmm. and then um both Candyman and Get Out are two movies that are are top favorites of mine in the horror genre and they don't really I wouldn't classify Candyman as a slasher and Get Out for sure is not a slasher mm-hmm. um and I don't technically consider House of a Thousand Corpses a slasher it can fit more so in that genre than the other two but that's kind of just like my this section here, and then this section to your uh, to your right, Those are, are like more slashers. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I kind of have it like with with films that are similar to one another, and I mean, I was just kidding. No, I know, but <laughs> it, it is, it, and it even though you're joking, that is kind of like a good point, though. I mean, they, well, I think it's an interesting like stepping stone, working towards getting larger amounts of black directors and. Uh, yeah actors and actresses in hollywood and getting more success over time yeah and i mean you look at just from like the success of get out jordan peele's um his production company is putting out i mean they're heavily working with like blumhouse and within Mm -hmm. themselves to put out all these Mm -hmm. uh black-led horror movies and tv shows yeah and it's like that's just so awesome that it was what what came from just the success of Get Out. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you said TV shows because um, uh, Lovecraft Country is. Mm-hmm. I think he produced that, didn't he? Uh, something like that. Um, yeah. Morris Company did. Uh, I think it might have been providing financial. Yeah, and then we saw it. he. I mean, they got the the Twilight Zone out there, the mm-hmm. reboot of that. Um, he wrote, he wrote, wrote a lot on that. Yeah, Antebellum was a movie that came out this year that it didn't succeed very well, but that was produced by. Uh, uh, Peel, and then we've got like uh, Kiefer mentioned the uh, Candyman, the new Candyman movie. Mm-hmm. So it's just, and and I like that they're putting a lot of young black talent mm-hmm. out there in these movies too. So we're not just seeing the same veteran um, actors from the black community being recycled. Like we're getting to pull in some new talent. And... Sorry, yeah. So there's definitely been like a path that has been laid out. And uh, I think a good part of that is the success of Candyman and just how good yeah. it is and how much people can still like it, even if they, they wouldn't usually check out something like that. Yeah. There's a really good documentary out there that I watched, and I highly recommend it, called Horror Noir, and it's all about the history of, um, of the black community and the horror genre. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to see the developments that have been made over the years because there was... Um, very distinct roles that black characters played in movies even all the way up through the late 80s early 90s and then you just get to see it and prove and and i think jordan peele honestly can take credit for really pushing that in an even further direction than candy man mm-hmm. well 
as we uh, slowly pivot over to my album, I'd just like to draw one thing of Candyman being mentioned in popular culture, and you might know, you definitely know the song on Kendrick Lamar's album, Damn, where he mentions Candyman. I thought that was a cool reference and just like keeping Candyman being talked about. Yeah. I know other movies like Get Out get talked about in hip-hop culture, and it's cool to see <clears throat> that kind of cross-play. Yeah, because I, that's the thing, like, before Get Out, Candyman was, like, a big deal, mm-hmm. um, and it still is, I think, to some, especially if you grew up in that era, like, a lot of a lot of rappers um, that are popular now would probably be close in age with myself, and, and mm-hmm. at the time, Candyman was our childhood, so mm-hmm. it makes sense that that would be even more so nostalgic for them than Get Out, but... yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you enjoyed it. I know you're kind of new to the horror genre the sure. last, like, five years at least. Well, because... I, I've had an open mind, and I've checked out a lot of stuff in the last yeah. few years, and I think Candyman's great. I, I love it. Good. And I'll definitely watch it again, and I think I'll give the remake a chance when, whenever we get to safely stream it instead yeah. of having to go to the movie theater because it's yeah. kind of weird. Yeah, so right do now. you remember in the movie the baby that um, mm-hmm. that Helen rescues at the end? From the fire, the bonfire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what I've been told, at least as far as what I've read, the the lead actor in the new one is supposed to be that baby all grown up. Right. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. How Tony Todd may fit in. Um, they call it a spiritual sequel to the original. So hmm. I, I I'm a little excited because I like I like the second movie a decent amount and the third one was not good at all. Um, so I think this has the potential to be a proper sequel to the original. Cool. That's so, awesome. All right, yeah, man. Uh, so we talked about this taking place in Cabrini Green in Chicago, and now yeah. we're going to uh, to transition over to Kiefer's album, and you'll see where it can connect to uh, the Chicago theme. Yeah, I think uh, this album is hugely inspired by the city of Chicago, and when I hear like hip-hop music from these rappers from chicago I, I i can really feel the love for the city and um just the fact that a lot of other popular chicago hip-hop acts are featured on this album i think it's great that it can highlight all these other names and i think a good way to approach hip-hop music in general is to go through the avenue of looking at the city in a wider lens and getting a better sense for how the city can impact the sound because there's these distinct things that originated in the east coast west coast culture that the the sounds kind of broke apart and then around that same time there's the southern sound and i think detroit and chicago also have their own unique sounds so i think you can kind of get a good sense looking at those different areas in atlanta and stuff like that so looking at hip-hop i think so this album is called telephone uh you might not have heard of it because it's not a huge commercial success i think it it's more of a, a critical darling and a minor cult following rather than a huge commercial success uh and the rapper no name i would consider her kind of like that as well wouldn't, wouldn't you agree that she's kind of lesser known yeah i feel like i feel like it's more for people who are deeper into the the genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's definitely not as successful as 
people like, like you wouldn't know her just or... from listening to like a rap radio station like no she i don't think she's ever been on rap radio this, this is something you might get kicked up on your on your spotify playlist if you're listening to other acts like what all these other artists that i'm mentioning on the album or you might know her from her guest appearance is on chance the rapper albums she's been on i think all of his projects so far besides coloring book which really gave her a lot of notice because chance the rapper on the other hand is a much much more well-known rapper i think he's might be the biggest name or was the, at one time the biggest name in chicago besides sure, like yeah. besides like kanye. kanye yeah i was gonna say he's the only one i can think of <clears throat> but uh so like just him including no name on all his projects is definitely going to give her a lot of bigger spotlight there and one noticeable thing about chance the rapper's career is that he's made a big point of releasing the music for free and uh not selling out like not putting those are all technically mixtapes and he's self-produced and everything and he makes all his money off of touring so no name followed the same kind of strategy by putting out these albums independently using her own money to record the albums and you know making money off of the performances instead of the actual album so as you know i collect vinyl so it was a big deal when she finally released uh physical copies of the album chance the rapper didn't release physical album copies of his albums until last year and those were really limited supply and now those are worth a ton of money like i, I have a copy of his album acid rap and it's shot over two hundred dollars per like it's worth is that much it's like these are really limited quantities and he even had to drop one of the songs off of the album so it can be kind of hard for these mixtapes to get out independently because you gotta you gotta drop all your own money into the getting it pressed and everything in the first place so i think the album was like three thousand copies and like 1500 were sold on vinyl me please's website and 1500 or no, there's only 1,500 total, 1,000 on Vinyl Me Please, and a 500 on her personal website. So this is a really limited run album, and it hasn't been repressed since then. So this one's worth a lot. But I really wish she would press her second album on Vinyl, because that one's really good. You've heard that one? Room 25? No, I've only listened to Telephone. Room 25 is a little bit different. It's, it's not my favorite. I, I actually prefer Telephone, but I do wish I could have both of them on Vinyl. Just because I, I mean, I really yeah. like that album, and it's one of my favorites of the year. Right. Um. But. <laughs> Bless me. Excuse me. <laughs> uh, I think it's important to you know talk about where she's at now. She's got her uh, book club, and I definitely recommend you check it out. Uh, follow her book club on Twitter and everything. I think that's been her passion project lately, and I think she's kind of moved away from the hip-hop and the recording uh, as, as much, and uh, that's caused kind of a bit of controversy, the way she kind of backed out of her rap career and kind of putting that on, on white fans and how she didn't really like performing for predominantly white audiences, and that was partially part of the reason why she's backed out of hip-hop music, and I don't know if that's for sure, she may still put out new music she's put out another song during this pandemic and black lives matter 
talking about injustices and stuff. So, you've heard that one? The one where she talks to J. Cole? Yep. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Is her song Snow on the Bluff, or is that his? That's his. Okay. Hers is, like, song 34 or something. Yeah, I've heard both of them. Yeah. I have to, because I like J. Cole a lot. Yeah, I mean, I'm... I mean... I don't know. But, uh... She, I think she's really smart and just listen to, to her lyrics and and her, her poetry she's originally like a poet um so i think just like her lyrics are super important to what her career and, and what she's trying to say but the music is really uh, lush and i mean you kind of described it as jazz rap and i would definitely agree with you yeah uh which is a big part of what i consider to be the the chicago music scene is a lot of these um, more jazzy instrumentals, including saxophones and trumpets and things like uh, strings and everything, and uh, combining that with uh, poetic hip-hop. And you kind of talked about where that was started, and I, I don't have an exact professional pinpoint of the beginning of jazz rap sound, but I think Kanye really inspired it, and he, he's been pioneer in several different genres throughout his career but specifically with his second album late registration yeah and as you as you might know uh both tj and i are really big kanye fans and i think that was a big jump off point for where my interest in hip-hop started so to follow that lineage back from kanye all through these all through recent years where i was really into chance the rapper and uh, bringing it back to No Name, I think it's an, an important point in my kind of taste for hip-hop music. I've got, I mean, I've got a lot of different artists that I really like, and I'm sure to bring out more that uh, I've, I've got a modest hip-hop vinyl collection, but uh, Telephone is definitely really up there as far as, like, favorite hip-hop albums, and uh, uh, No Name is my favorite female rapper. Uh, I'll stand by that. Uh, I mean, it might not be common. I don't know how many other people have her as their, their favorite female rapper, but I think she's the best. Yeah, that's it's difficult because we talked about um, like black directors mm. with movies, and I think female rappers is another thing that's not like a big uh, demographic. Like we don't it's see it's getting a lot. bigger though. Yeah, I it think is. They're but more I'm saying success. like prior, mm -hmm. it wasn't really it wasn't hard to say. Oh, my favorite rapper is female rapper is this person or this person because you know we had like Missy Elliott and yeah but isn't Lauren Hill your favorite female rapper yeah I'd say so yeah. um because as far as like knowing more of her content compared to mm -hmm. but she also doesn't have a whole lot but uh, I think Miss I think uh that Lauren Hill made a big impression on No Name and her music. I can see it yeah it I think when we were watching the Tiny Desk concert um, really I can definitely feel it, like the influence. Uh -huh. And No Name talks about opening up for Lauren Hill, and how that was a big point for her and her career. Yeah. Gave her more exposure, just like appearing on the Chance the Rapper albums. Um, she's also appeared on Smino's albums, and um, she's supposedly been working on a collaborative album between her, Smino, and Saba. Uh, three of my favorite rappers, two of them coincidentally from or Saba also is coincidentally from Chicago. Um, and I saw Smino, this is coming into 2019, 2018, into 2019, I went to a concert in in Chicago, uh, we're in Ohio, so that was about a four hour drive, 
and bringing into the New Year's, uh, I saw a No Name concert and Samina was there as a special guest and that was really cool to hear them start performing Ace as the New Year started. So that was the first song I heard of 2019. So that was a really nice. cool experience. But this album, Telephone, is so good. Uh, cherish piece in my collection, and uh, the uh, just the songs are great, and the different artists that are featured on it, like Mick Jenkins, and Zappa and Samino, Felix, and some of the singers are just great, and a lot of those same people showed up at the Tiny Desk concert that I, I just showed you. And if you haven't heard of Tiny Desk concerts, they're one of my favorite. Uh, mediums for live performances is just really stripped down small more acoustic uh, light sounding music and i think no names music really translates well into that did you like you've seen other tiny desks i don't know if you have a favorite possibly tyler, yeah. tyler creators you've shown me probably three or four now mm-hmm. and i am biased because i'm a tyler the creator fan so mm-hmm. that's probably my favorite but I mean, we've seen them twice in concerts, so right. that's totally understandable. And I went both times with you, um, mm-hmm. but uh, it's really tough because I think they're all pretty cool to see them stripped down and like, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just the instruments in the office and then their voices, and it's just it's a cool experience. I I like when you show me those. Yeah. Um, but I think it's pretty cool. I'd like to see more. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really uh honed in on this album to pair with Candyman because of a medley that was performed in No Name's Tiny Desk concert. She combined Casket Pretty, which kind of describes the black experience and worrying about death wherever they go, and um, Bye Bye Baby, which is kind of like a song about abortion. And they're, they're both just these songs about death, and I think that Candyman dealt a lot in the same idea like these young kids and them being in danger and how that uh, is i don't know i'm not like i'm not like analyzing metaphor for it like the lore in their neighborhood yeah i'm not like 100 percent able to analyze the all the metaphors of Candyman, but i feel like they're talking they're trying to talk about a lot of the same experiences Mm -hmm. it's just a different medium and um but but they've got a similar message to get across Mm -hmm. yeah definitely and you know there's there's a big jump in time, 24-year difference between when they came out, but I think a lot of the struggles and, and experiences are the same to this day. Um, I'm super excited for whatever No Name does in the future. Uh, I haven't been as active in her book club, but I think you should definitely check it out and follow her and listen to what she's got to say, because sometimes... What they've been saying, what they've been saying in this one podcast is you gotta eat your vegetables with the with the with the good stuff. So you can have these fun, enjoyable songs, but sometimes the artist makes you like sit down and listen to what they've got to say, even if it makes you think. And I think that Kendrick does that. I think a lot of artists they they like to at least sprinkle that in, depending on on how much. But it's like a healthy dose of the truth mixed in with the enjoyable, fun stuff. I, you know, I considered, um, before it was a Halloween episode, I considered playing, uh, that, uh, what's it called? The Boots movie we saw in the theaters with, uh, Lakeith. The, is it Thank You for... You know what I'm talking about. Oh, uh... Um... 
crap. I can't think of it. You know what I'm talking about? Huh. The, where he works at the call center and he uses his white voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God damn it. <laughs> Sorry to bother you. Yes, that's yeah. right. I was considering <laughs> picking that because I thought you had told me at one point there was some kind of, like, uh, both uh, No Name and Boots were, like, associated in some way. Uh, Am I wrong? I don't remember. But no. I almost picked that movie because of that, but then I'm like, I really don't like the ending, per se, but it was a pretty enjoyable movie otherwise, but... Yeah, I like Lucky Sandfield. He's one of my favorite actors. I think he he's got he's kind of like a new album out. I haven't listened to it, but yeah, he's I great in Atlanta. Sing. Yeah. <laughs> but all right, I didn't mean to get off topic. I just I I can't remember if you had a connection with her and and Boots, but. Well, okay. So I just want to talk about telephone and be like, I know you you've tried it out before and you you tried it again and i've made you watch the tiny desk and you yeah. you've at least given it a couple chances and i know you're not as big a fan big of a fan as me but right did you get anything from it, did it, it yeah move? it's that the problem is is that i don't deny like her technical merit like she has talent and she's got like you know skill, mm, she's got a really but... good flow for me it's more mm. of like what i enjoy listening to and that's not my like type mm, i know because um, you've used similar reasoning to describe why you don't like mac miller as much exactly and i think it's that it's that slower paced jazz rap type feel mm -hmm. that i'm not particularly interested in but i mean i always get something out of a listen like that um i definitely feel like listening to it that second time with you was just a qual a better quality um session because like, before that, you know, I, I think I told you, like, oh, I know that song Diddy Wop. Is that, like, the single from the album? Because I feel like it's the one that sticks with me, and it seems more catchy and well-known, and you confirmed that. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, just, like, listening to it with you in your room, I'm able to just focus on other songs and, like... And my system's so good. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it I'm sounds so lie. good on vinyl. It is. I got these giant speakers. <laughs> That's uh, the only thing missing from my setup is speakers. Yeah, so yeah, I think it it sounds great, and uh, I, I love to see her progress over her career. And Room Twenty Five is a fantastic album, top five of that year. I don't know. Um. So okay. So I like to do a little topic at the end of these episodes, and we have moved into November. And coming up November, there are record store days for Black Friday. There's just one on Black Friday, and there's also big sales on movies. Black Friday is notorious for all the big sales, and movies are no exception. Will you, in this trying time, be going online only, or are you going to try to snag some at the store physically? I'm going to try to do what I can, because it is Christmas shopping season, too, so i got to be modest with my shopping, but... I definitely want to get out a little bit. Um, I know things are getting a little rough with COVID and uh, we're not supposed to be out and about as much, but I don't want to get too much into that. But I would like to try to potentially stop into Best Buy and Walmart to see if they get their usual um, displays of movies just because it's easier because it's right in front of you and you can see what the, all, the whole selection looks like. But I'll definitely be checking online. Last year I did all online shopping. Mm. As far as like my boot boutique titles, I'll be all online because, for instance, um, 
the website Vinegar Syndrome, who's a, a great um, platform for Blu-rays, um, is all online. They don't have a store as far as where we're at. Um, Criterion has their Barnes & Noble sale this whole month. It's not just Black Friday. They have it every November. Um, and I think there's a couple titles I want to pick up, especially Parasite. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a, a mixture. I wouldn't mind stopping in a Best Buy, like I said, and, and a Walmart just to look at physically what's out there. I mostly need some, uh, TV seasons mm. as far as Walmart and Best Buy are concerned. There's not a lot of titles I need from Walmart and Best Buy movie-wise just because 2020 was a slow movie release year and there was like maybe five I had on my list and I've gotten four, three or four of those already. So it's just, it's going to be a, a short year this year, but I'm definitely going to be shopping if only just window shopping. Yeah. Yeah, and Black Fridays for record store days involve good markdowns too, like 10% off, 15% off of uh, different albums, and there's also a few more exclusive releases that come out that day, as if we needed another record store day this year. We've already had three. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, there's like maybe a couple titles that I might get. I haven't looked at the full list, but they're entirely possible to get online at this point. I definitely think a lot of these exclusives are becoming a little bit run down for the record collectors, and uh, they may not be buying them up as quickly, and the limited stock won't sell as fast. Um, but you know, I don't, I don't really need another big record store day. As, as I've, as you said, Christmas is coming up, and we're not thinking about so much as improving our size of collection as. Weren't worried about getting gifts for other people, so I've um, definitely cut back on uh, album purchasing. Is there always record sales on Black Friday, or is it just this year? Oh, no, yeah, they always try to do something for Black Friday, record store stores yeah. and stuff. I I don't usually come out for those types of things. There usually isn't as much in it for me, but I mean, we'll see. I don't I don't really see myself going out for anything yeah I mean on a normal year I get all my new releases on Black Friday because I save that I save it for them because they're way cheaper but like I said because there's not a lot of new movies coming out in general this year Mm -hmm. I just have a much shorter list so I like to get my DC animated ones too around that time so just load up on everything at once and usually my receipt says like this is how much you saved, and it's like a hundred dollars or or a little over a hundred dollars, and I'm like, yeah. And it just reminds me every year. This is why you wait, and you don't mm-hmm. buy impulsively. You just be you be patient, right? I think I might get a few movies this year. I I got a new 4K TV as part of the early Black Friday stuff at Best Buy, and uh, I plan to get a few uh, 4K releases. And I don't know exactly yeah. what I'm gonna get, but yeah, we um, should just go out together and we'll find some stuff. Yeah. The 4Ks, as far as what I've seen in the, the ads, it's like. Uh, I think they've got some for seven ninety nine and some for nine ninety nine depending great, on the title. Yeah. So yeah, they're but they're coming more regular price. They're not as super high high yeah. new four K. Like four K is getting a little bit more wide, exactly. and the TV is getting cheaper. So, yeah, definitely yeah. awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm so glad that I got to watch Candyman. Such a good movie, and uh, I'm glad you gave Telephone another chance. I love that album, and I think anybody that hasn't heard it, at least give it a little bit of your time and check it out. 
Yeah, and then for our next episode, it's number 10. So, so we're, we're going to do something about, special. Yeah, something you. special. And I think we're going to try to stick to a special theme for every 10th episode. Uh-huh. So stay tuned, and thanks for listening. All right, awesome.